Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm your host, Eric Devin. Joining me this week are Nathan Staples, Adam White, and Peter Bowler. Before we get started with the show, a brief recap of the week's two European matches involving French sides. Saint-Étienne made the long journey to Jerusalem to face the notorious Baitar, and despite some nervy moments, including going to goal down early on, the club recovered well enough. A fine finish from Fabien Lemoyne, leveling the score just seven minutes after the host had taken the lead. Florentine Pogba bundled home the winner from a corner at the half-hour mark to give Levera a 2-1 margin. Despite Lemoyne picking up a booking, the club faced next week's return leg with a good chance of progressing to the group stage. Monaco were also on the road yesterday and executed a fine win over injury-hit Villarreal at the Madrigal, Fabinho scoring a penalty just three minutes in. The host responded, though, through Pato on 36 minutes, before Bernardo Silva clinched the win 20 minutes from time with a brilliant solo goal. So, I uh, wanted to come on uh, to you first, Nathan. Uh, talking about uh, Monaco, the, the defense looked better, uh, but could a better striker have, have punished this team more? Pato had quite a few chances. Absolutely. I think, I think saying that their defense looked better is... A marginal gain, if if you if you want to say it that way, they they still look very iffy at the back. I mean, Mon, Mon, um, Monday had a decent game until he got ridiculously sent off for that very silly challenge at the end in the little flick out at Sammy Castellejo. Um, I thought that they they started Raji in this game as well because um um. Uh, C D B. Yes, the, he was uh, he was injured during the weekend, so that the Raji has to play this game. So he he didn't add enough in an attacking sense. He doesn't add enough in a defensive sense, and he was caught too often, in, almost in the centre back position alongside Jameson, who was uh, poor again. Is probably the best way to put it. And Glick is left alone as the only man who can try and defend. The it was a positive start for Monaco. I thought they started very well, um, getting the penalty and Lamar's persistence to get that was excellent. And then they sat in their shell and allowed a Villarreal team that they should absolutely be pouncing on with the with the summer of of injuries and and departures and and of, especially of Marcelino, the manager. They should be pouncing on something like that where they could build up a, a sizable lead and and really take this tie away from them. Um, but they didn't. And it's an awful sort of defensive mistake. They allow uh, Bruno Soriano too much space. The header is much too easy for 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 the striker to win to play down to Pato. Gleek tries to challenge for it, but for some reason Raji thinks he should challenge for it as well. But neither win it, leaving Pato on his own, and he scores a very simple goal. And and it's taken Bernardo Silva to produce another moment of brilliance, and he was excellent again. They cannot afford to not play him anymore. <laughs> um, that moment of brilliance, even though it was deflected as well, saved them in the end. And, and that goal is enormous, though, because Villarreal now need two at, at the Stade Louis doing and I, I don't see that happening. But they still look really bad at defence, I, I think. I, I still think they need a new, another centre-back. Jemison's not going to be good enough. Um, I would have preferred playing Fabinho at right-back, personally, and I would have risked playing someone like Jean Moutinho from the start in that position in midfield because they needed to dominate that central area a little bit more and they gave someone like Bruno Soriano who was at times absolutely immense for Villarreal um, way too much time on the ball Alright Adam I'll come on to you so we Nathan mentioned there the moment of petulance from Benjamin Mendy uh, this is a player who has a history of doing this I mean not in perhaps so rational mode, but his discipline and his tackling are less than stellar to be quite charitable. Uh, can be brilliant going forward, but um, has a chance to hurt his team. Uh, so Elderson is probably the natural replacement for the return leg, um, but do what do Monaco do? I mean, if Mendy shows this sort of uh, action on a, on a big stage, can he be trusted going forward? I think that's a very interesting question. I, I, I would argue probably not. Um, I, I've always had a, a bit of a bugbear about players who are liabilities in this sense, are likely to get themselves sent up. They're sent off. There are players that will play near the line, they'll be aggressive, um, and they'll get booked occasionally and get themselves in trouble. Like Diego Costa is a good example. Often goes over the line, but rarely gets himself actually sent off. I remember Robbie Savage only ever got sent off once in his, in his career. But players that are a liability to a team in this huge, huge stage where Monaco, it's so important for them to get into the Champions League. 
and just to do well in the Champions League. If they've got someone like Mendy, who 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 could get himself sent off like he did yesterday, because that that silly second slap on on the player there that came in was just ridiculous. Um, and I I would worry if I was if I was Jardim that if if he's if he's the player that's, that's that liable to do that, then perhaps his place in in the side should be under threat. I mean, he's a, he's a young lad. He's only 22, and and he's you know he'll learn. But have Monaco got the time to let him learn? I, I I'm not sure. I think I think uh, is a, a more experienced player. Mendy's definitely the better player, but it, it, when it comes to such a huge game, if if it, if it happens again, then maybe um, Jardim should consider his his place under threat. I mean, Tisserin's an option; he can play at right back. Perhaps left back is maybe a bit too far out of position, but he's an option there too. But I would I would question his uh, his 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 uh, temperament going forward, and and it's something that Jardim needs needs to address with with the player himself because he's he's a good player. Um, but they need him to be sensible, otherwise. Otherwise, it could it could come up and, and hurt them later on. Peter, I don't think I could disagree or could agree with you more there, Adam. Uh, Peter, come on to you, Bernardo Silva. What a goal! Uh, you know, now that he's back fit, uh, he gives you know an incredible element of dynamism to this Monaco team. So my question to you is: Assuming that uh, Monaco progress, which we hope they will for the sake of the coefficient, which will be our our theme through the season. Uh, how does the, how do you think uh, Monaco should set up going forward, uh, especially once Falcao is back back fit? Yeah. Um, well, if I recall, I think in the, the first recording of this uh, preview show, we talked about how Monaco should line up, and uh, I think we kind of all agreed that Bernardo Silva playing behind the striker in a kind of four four one one looked really promising, and I really enjoyed watching that formation sort of come to fruition last night. Um, I thought Bernardo Silva in that role where he can just roam as much as he likes and be creative and be the centre of attention as far as the uh, the team going forward um, is concerned, it's really, really good for him and really, really good for Monaco. And I'd like to see that continue if we can. As far as, as, far as Falcao goes, he didn't look too bad, did he, when uh, in, in the previous games he's played, but considering how how well Germain played yesterday, um, sorry, last season for Nice, I think he should be the first choice striker. And I'd like to see Monaco continue with how they lined up against Villarreal in uh, in Liga, if possible. Right, we had seen that, obviously, in the second half uh, against Gengamp after Mbappe had gone off. And, you know, obviously the results there speak for themselves. So does anybody else have anything to add to our discussion about uh, Monaco, their formation. Yeah, I'd, like uh, to. I, I, yeah I, I'd just like to quickly mention, I was thinking of this during their game against Gangomp. Um, I would, it's, it's a little bit out of out out there, I know that, but um, <laughs> because I thought that while I was writing it down. But I'd, I would quite like them to play sort of, with their abundance of midfielders and especially players in those central areas that impress more. I thought Dirar was very poor last night, um, and that's not a surprise. He's not very consistent, really. But they have really good attacking fullbacks, and I would like them to play with three at the back, potentially Bakayoko in between the two usual centre-backs, play two more interesting centre midfielders, uh, maybe like a Jean Moutinho, and then um, it, it's, it's a debate who you can put up next to him, and then use Bernardo Silva and and Tommy Lamar in those central areas behind a third striker of someone like Germain. And then you've got a more interesting balance to the team. You could always add two up front if you decided to, to put Falcao up there or something like that, and use Sidibe slash uh, Mondi slash Fabinho as wingbacks. I think that could be a really interesting formation with the with the width coming from those fullbacks. I think it could really, because they have such a lack of depth, especially out wide in wing positions, I think that would, would be a really interesting thing for Jardim to try. Hmm. So and Adam, you are going to say something as well? Oh, no, 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 I wasn't. No, sorry. Hey, that was me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to pick up on um, the effect that Glick had on the back four last night. Uh, from all of the uh, footage I, I saw of that game, one thing I noticed was that Glick never had his mouth shut, constantly talking, constantly organising, and that's something that that Monaco back four really, really needs. I think when Sadibi comes back into the team, I'd like to see him go back to left-back, 
I think, as Nathan highlighted, they've got an abundance of midfielders. Why not put Fabinho back at right back where he was so effective last season and bring Moutinho in next to Bakayoko if you want to keep uh, with that 4-4-1-1. But as I was saying, I I think Glick showed what a fantastic signing he he is for Monaco and uh, how much more he does than just simply get the ball back. Um, He's an organiser, a leader, and uh, I I think Monaco, I think they could do good things in this competition. All right. Does anybody think that there's any life in this tie, or is is that is that it? Monaco looks set to progress. That second goal's killed that tie. I think Villarreal need two. I can't see them scoring two with with uh, Bakambu still out. Although Pato was was decent at times. Bruno Soriano is a very good player, but he can't drag this team through it through to a two 0 win. I can't see that. All right. Seems like we've got a consensus by, by silence there. Um, so we'll move on now to uh, Saint-Étienne's trip to uh, Jerusalem. Uh, this is probably, interestingly enough, an easier draw on paper than uh, their their match against AEK Athens last time out. Uh, so, Adam, I'll come on to you first. Really a bit of poor communication there for the first goal. Uh, how... How do you see that affecting the team going forward? And, and maybe also talk a little bit about how Saint-Étienne responded to that. Because, let's face it, this is a team that's built their reputation and built their success over the past four or five seasons under Galtier on defensive solidity. So to concede such a, a relatively poor goal uh, early on, uh, talk a little bit about their resilience and what that means for them going forward. I think it's a definitely a good sign. I'm, I mean, Galtier will be disappointed with the goal, but... Um, it's not it's not too too worrying in terms of defensive stability. I think they're a defensively solid team. They're a well-organized team, and if Gauta can do anything, it's organize a defense, and he's done that really well with Sinesian over the few years. But you're right that to come back and come back quickly um, ahead by the half hour mark was was an, a, another brilliant sign that perhaps that they can add that to their game in in Europe, and they can be real more resilient and show more character than they have in previous years. I think that's something that perhaps affected them at times, definitely in the league last season, after they got knocked out that last-minute goal against Basel, really, really affects them for three or four weeks in the league, and they struggled to come back. But when they came back yesterday against Beta, obviously I don't think Beta Jerusalem are the, the strongest of opponents, so that may have something to do with it. Um, but looking forward, you would hope that they can replicate that and they can learn from that experience and Gauter can use it and say that we've done this before. If they do a bit behind a half-time in a more difficult game away from home, he can use it as an example that we've been away to a difficult game in Europe and we've come back and we've shown resilience, we've shown that character to come back and, and take the tie and you'd make them like strong favourites in a similar way, Monaco favourites, although the gap in class here is bigger, so I'd have Zanetian as more likely to go through. But I think overall it shows that they are. They have got good players. They've got a good team, and they, they they will be able to come back from this sort of thing, in 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 these sort of situations. You just hope that, even though it's not just because it's a relatively weak team. I think this is probably an easier tie than their first round tie in the in the in the previous round. So, um, defensively they're strong. I wouldn't worry too much about the goal. It was it was a bit of a lapse, but they'll recover from that. Um, just try and replicate the, the 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 style going forward. I think they did they did defend overall pretty well yesterday. And if I was Gautier, I'd be pretty pleased with that result. Absolutely. I think having a 2-1 lead away from home is a strong result for any knockout competition. Uh, Peter, I'll come on to you. The goal really seemed to energize Baitar. Before, before Saint-Étienne scored, uh, they seemed to play with a bit more urgency and attack, but that also left them more open in the back. Did the Israeli team make a mistake uh, rather than sitting back after having scored? I'm not sure. If I'm honest, um, I think they tried to play a similar game to uh, Kabbalah when they played Lille in trying to nick that goal early on and then just sit on it, um, which is a risky take, but if you feel like you can defend and organise yourselves well enough, um, it might just work out for you. I, I was really impressed by Saint-Étienne, actually. It's really difficult, as Lille showed, to go 1-0 down in these uh, in these European games and to especially when you're away from home to keep confidence levels high and to not let your heads drop and um, I think they did a, a really excellent job of taking control of the game and pushing back it really was a, a Sunday league goal to um, to concede but yeah I think there were promising signs there I really do um, I like I really like Mone Pake I, th- I think he's someone who could potentially um, do big things if given game time, um, and yeah, I 
I don't think there was. I don't think the the Israeli team necessarily did anything wrong in their game plan, but perhaps they underestimated Setatian's ability to break and to score. All right, I'll, I'll come on, come back to you, Adam. I know Nathan didn't have a chance to watch this, uh, but uh, Adam, I was really impressed with uh, the attacking play from the fullbacks. Uh, Yves Palama and uh, Kevin Tiafoe-Kathleen are not necessarily known for their attacking nous, but uh, I think both got forward exceptionally well, but in a controlled manner. Uh, do you see that as something they can carry into the, the league on a season, or was that uh, more of a needs-must situation given this is a knockout tie? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, you dropped out there, right? Could you repeat the question quickly? Yes, sorry. Uh, Saint-Étienne's fullbacks uh, seem to be playing uh, with, with a little bit more attacking verb. Uh, do you think that's something they can carry into the league on a season? Uh, I know these are two fullbacks that have a reputation of being a bit more defensive, uh, but was it needs must for this match, or is that something they can do show on a more consistent basis? Hello? Adam? Adam, can you hear Eric? I think I think that that question's thrown him into shock. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay, I'll I'll pick this up. Uh, yeah. So watching the match, I, I was personally really impressed with the play of the two. I mean, uh, Paul Lamas played center back more often. Tefil Catherine's played there as well. They're not exactly players that are well known for getting forward, uh, but uh, the way that they created the the, the pass for the first goal, Tefil Catherine, uh, and Paul Lamas got forward a fair amount as well. I think that that's something that. Saint-Étienne should really look forward to as a positive marker. We've seen this team be sort of classed and taxed as this defensively dour, unimaginative unit, but I think the way that the fullbacks can be involved, uh, if this is something they can take forward consistently, uh, really is a, a serious marker for for the team to play with a bit more thrust uh, when necessary. Uh, Eric, do you think um, do you think Florentine Pogba will end up uh, Moving somewhere for eighty million euros at the end of this uh, season, I would I would hope not. <laughs> um, but he, he Arsenal, really has impressed and continued to mature as a central defender. So, just one one more thing, and, and Nathan, I'll throw this to you since it is a bit more of a general question. Uh, Kevin Monifake started uh, in place of Osama Tanan, uh, and obviously we've seen both of these players play enough that we have a sense of their their style. Do you think that? Um, there is something to be said for that in terms of the way that the, the width that both of them provide uh, can stretch play, whereas Tanan likes to cut inside a bit more. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. They're two wingers, but they're two completely different styles of wingers. T Tanan is a much more direct, um, in the mould of the kind of modern Cristiano Ronaldo-esque winger that likes to essentially be a, an out-wide striker and inside forward. Um, he had he had a goal threat, and I, I like Tenan a lot, but um, to possibly get something the best out of the strikers at, at Saint-Étienne, you may need to get a more um, more more, uh, more traditional winger, because Hamouma is a very similar player to um, Tenan in the sense that he does tend to want to cut inside, but he can play out-wide a little bit more often. Kevin Monipaque is more of a traditional beat your man, get to the byline kind of kind of winger. And that'll add a different dimension to Saint-Étienne, is it probably did the other night if he started that he would have he would have tried to create chances for, for his teammates rather than try and score on his own accord. But I I it's a difficult choice for Galtier to make. It depends on what will suit his side more often and what kind of opponents he's facing. I think that at this time, the way they've been playing to start the season, I would try and use Kevin Monipake more, as Tanan's been a little bit ineffective, he's been a little bit predictable as well, and teams have sort of stopped him from really influencing the game like he did in the back end of last season. So I'd like to see Monipake start a few more games and see if his width and his ability to get past players and put the ball in the box might might give Saint-Étienne an extra boost. Well, thank you for, for that. Nathan, we're going to move on now to our the preview section of our show, having covered Europe. Both the French teams, I think, acquitted themselves fairly well. Uh, there's obviously some question marks, but there's this thing as a perfect performance in football. So we'll just approach these chronologically. Uh, we have uh, Olympic Lyonnais versus Caen uh, in Lyon's first home match of the season. Uh, last weekend saw Caen pick up a, 
a dramatic 3-2 win over Lorient, courtesy of new signing Ivan Santini. Uh, so, uh, Adam, are you back with us? I am. I, I've, I've managed to rectify the situation. I seem to having some internet issues here at, at Radar Towers, I'm afraid, but I'm back now. All right, so I wanted to come on to you first to talk about Santini. Uh, he was great, but against 10 men. Uh, is he really going to continue to be that sort of test for Leon and throughout the season? Have we lost Adam again? Yeah, it sounds like his internet issues are claiming him into this evening. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll come, on, come on to you then, Peter. Uh, my question again, uh, Santini looked really impressive, uh, but that was against 10 men. Will he be a, a, the same sort of test against uh, a Leon side that offer a higher quality of, of defense? Well, one thing I would say, and I think it's a fairly... A well-known trope of football is that actually a lot of the time it's much harder to play against 10 men than it is against 11. Um, and I think Santini did a really good job of getting himself in all the right places uh, and the wingers did a very good job as well actually of providing him because a big centre forward like uh, he is um, is really nothing without the service and uh, I think certainly players like Ronnie Rodolan um, should be applauded for how they played um, last week because they provided and they set up the space and I think if Khan can find that kind of space again against Lyon, which I don't think they will because Oz, I think Lyon, as you might agree, Eric, look pretty pretty flipping good uh, in their last game. Um, Santini might have a bit of joy, but I think it's going to be a, a much different experience coming up against uh, Nicholas and Kulu than uh, it, it, it was last weekend. Nathan, I'll come on to you. So we saw Tom playing their same 4-1-4-1 as last season, but uh, Damian De Silva has returned to the roots of his youth and been moved forward into as a central defender, or central defensive midfielder, I should say, ahead of the back line, whereas he'd been a defender last year. Uh, do you think that he, him on his own in that role provides enough protection for, for the back line? Um, it's a good question. I, I'm not sure if him alone in some games like he will against Leon will be enough, um, and whether they might bring someone like Stedmar Bronx slightly further back to sort of help protect that area because he can be decent in that area and still distribute from, from a deeper position. But I really like the move to move Damien De Silva into that role as well. He, he's, a really, he's a good, solid centre-back for Ligue 1, but moving him into that role, in, it takes away some of that um, worry that sometimes he can be a little bit rash in the challenges and he can sometimes dive in a little bit and find himself out of position. Um, it allows him to use his passing, which can be can be pretty good, especially even distributing out wide. And as we've saw, <laughs> seen a couple of times, he can hit that speculative effort from, from distance and it fly into the top corner. We might see a couple more of those if he's in a defensive midfield <laughs> position. But... Uh, whether he'll be enough cover against someone like Leon, I'm not sure. Against against the mid-table to lower-tier sides, I think he'll be plenty. Um, it will give the freedom of, of players like Julian Ferre to move further forward without the worries of tracking back um, and allow Rodolan, and if Santini carries on how he is, playing, um, concentrating on the attacking sense while he helps cover that area. But I, I think it's a really interesting move for a player who, uh, is really versatile, it seems, and um, he's really growing at Caen. He's, he's been a little bit of a surprise over the last year and a bit, and uh, yeah, I think it's a good move, but it might, he might need a little bit more next to him in this game. Eric, do you think uh, Leon are going to be able to replicate their fantastic attacking performance of last weekend? Well, you know, probably. I, I think that I think that Caen... You know, I, I do have questions. If Garan persists with uh, De Silva in that role, I don't think that there's enough protection for that back four. We we saw Connor Connor this under Garan have a, a very go 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 style, and they're as likely to concede three goals as they are to score three goals. And I think that you know this is the sort of match that well we can come on our, our predictions in a little bit, but has you know a great chance of being say a four one win for. For Leon, I think I, I remember a similar score in this fixture last year. It was either a hat trick or four goals for Fakir uh, around about this time, and and there's no reason for me that we should expect anything differently. Uh, so, Peter, question for you then: uh, We're likely to see the debut of Matic Ribas. Uh, 
as uh, Jeremy Morel is, is out with an injury. Uh, do is this the sort of, of match that's a, a good test for for a new player in Liga or to get a sense of what the style is, uh, or do you, do you feel that uh, his his debut should be against you know a, perhaps a, a lesser team to sort of ease him in? It's, it's a difficult one to answer, really. I mean, if you if you have your debut against a, a weaker side, there can be overconfidence issues. If you play against a stronger side, you could say, hey, throw him in at the deep end. It's a difficult one, and it's all going to come down at the end of the day to how that individual player deals with that. Um, I don't think there's any easy games in Liga, and I, and I don't think that a game against Cannes can ever be considered as being easy, especially as, like you say, they're a very... Um, 100% go, go, go kind of start attacking side. Um, I do think, however, that Leon are going to impress this weekend again. Um, I've just got this funny feeling um, that I would have said, actually, in the in the main show last Monday, if I'd been able to uh, get back from Stansted Airport in quicker time. Um, but I really think Leon are going to challenge this season, um, especially with the kind of transitional period that PSG are going to go through. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see uh, more goals from Lacazette uh, this weekend. All right. So we'll come on now to our predictions. Just uh, just to recap, last week we had our four matches. We had... Uh, Two scores predicted correctly, I believe. Uh, one for Nathan and one for myself. And then for the results, uh, I don't think anybody got the right result but the wrong score. I'm trying to take a look here. So, yeah, that's, that is correct. We had myself predict the right score for Nice versus Ren. Uh, and Nathan predicted the right score for Dijon versus... Uh, Le- um, Dijon versus not, and then uh, we had. Oh, I'm sorry, we had Nathan predict the right score for uh, Etienne Bordeaux. So Nathan is our our leader at the moment with four points, and I'm second with three. That's a, that's a nice thing to learn. <laughs> yeah, so we're doing three points for a correct score, one one point for a correct result. So, uh, what's I'll come on to you first, Peter. What is your score prediction for Leon versus Caen? I'm going to go three-one Leon. Okay, Nathan. I'm going uh, 4-0 Leon in this one. They, they've got too much for the call. Decisive, Oof. decisive. Uh, I'll go with 4-1. Oh, my goodness me. Yeah, they, they look scary in, in attack and, at times with Maxwell Cornet and Lacazette in form. And, and Fakir, when he gets that space, he, he starts running at people. As soon as he found a little bit of space against Nancy, he really influenced things. And, and uh, I can't see Con, especially how they started against Lorient. If they do that again... They're, they're in for a hammering, I think. Quick, quick question for you, Eric, as the uh, as the the Leon man forget French football. How do Leon go about balancing those four attackers? Obviously, Cornet, Gazal, Lacazette, Fakir. If they're going to stick with the four-three-three, they can't play all four of them. Could that potentially be a speed bump in what otherwise might be quite a good season for Leon? I don't think so. Gazal's injured right now, for one. Uh, and that's probably why he's not been sold, if you, in my opinion. But I, I think that uh, with the number of matches that they'll have, once the cup competitions start, Coupe League, Champions League, uh, Cornet can also play centrally, as can Fakir. Uh, it's less than ideal, but I, I think that having four attackers there is necessary to provide, to provide rotation. Once you, once you add in Valbuena as well, um, and the, the youngster Gaetan Perrin, and Aldo Palulus, they have to come back from injury as well. Uh, there really is a wealth of depth here. It wouldn't surprise me if, if a player were to move before the end of the window. Valbuena is probably the most likely, given his reputation. There, I'm not surprised if a, if a club maybe in Russia or Mexico or maybe China would want to take a flyer on him, someone who could give him high wages, but maybe it's a lower standard to play than Liga. Uh, so I, I think that there's enough enough strength and depth and that um, Genesio should be able to rotate these players and and keep everybody happy. I think a 4-3-3 is the way to persist with this team. Um, come on now to Angers versus Nice. Uh, Angers signed uh, a new keeper this week, uh, a very a very highly regarded uh, Matthew Michel from Nîmes, uh, talking to Brendan McFarlane. He's someone who's uh, con- contributed to the main show as well. He's, he's very excited. He thinks that, uh, that Michel should slot right in, and that's a it's a big upgrade over the likes of Petrich and Letelier, who's injured at the moment. 
But, uh, Nathan, I wanted to come on to you first. Uh, Angers are, are displaying a little bit more of a, of a new look. It's more of a 4-3-3 uh, with less space in the front than what they'd used last year. It was generally a 5-4-1, uh, if you wanted to be strictly speaking on it. But now we've got uh, D.A.D. who's starting essentially a company and, and Sunu on the wings. Uh, talk about the efficacy of this, this formation. It, it seems like Angers aren't quite going to be quite as dangerous without uh, a sort of pacey outlet up top where they had Sissoko and Keke Pompon uh, in that role last year. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't entirely enthralled by the, the performance against Montpellier and the, the choices that you've already mentioned. That I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Jarsunu anyway, and and playing him out wide seems to negate some of the effect that he usually has on the game, which isn't an enormous amount in my opinion anyway. But I was really frustrated by seeing the best name in French football left on the bench. Uh, Kekeo had a really good season last season and really flashed in, in at times and was a little bit of a creative spot when they needed him. He was he was sometimes a goal threat when they needed him to be, and I think that they. They really need someone like that on the pitch because it was a, it was glaringly apparent in that Montpellier game that they didn't really create enough, even when they brought subs on. And, and uh, Famara Diedu did not have an enormous amount of chances in that game, and even the ones he did, he missed, uh, which is frustrating as well. But um, yes, they're missing something. Uh, I can't. It, I think it must be, it must be something like the pace. They don't seem to be. Uh, as exciting as we thought they might be, um, but obviously that's we've only seen one game, so we can't assume things straight away. But um, I want to see a little bit more from them. I would like to see someone like Kekeo from Fall start. Um, I think they need a little bit more in from the midfielders as well. I thought they were pretty weak, and and this is an interesting game heading to it with with how Nice performed at the weekend, and they need to try and take advantage of that midfield area if they can. Peter, coming on to you, obviously Angers are missing still Romain Saïs and Thomas Manjani, very, very key parts of that midfield. Uh, Manjani's set-piece deliveries, Saïs's determinedness in front of the defense were really key to Angers' style of play last year. Um, do you think that this is perhaps a temporary bump in the road, or, or have Angers been perhaps found out a bit, uh, given their last season? No, I don't think they've been found out about it. I think I would agree with your first point. I think it's a little bump in the road. I think it's something they'll get over. Um, got to remember that it's very difficult to judge um, how a team's going to do throughout a season on the first game because there's a lot of lot of things that go into the first game of a season that you don't really initially think about, like emotion and nerves and all, all kinds of things. So I, I, I do think uh, Angers are going to be all right this season, and I, I think, as I've said before in previous podcasts, I think they'll I think they'll push on. But one thing I would like to say, just on Giles Sanu, um, I'm a Derby County fan, and I, I've been watching Derby County since I was about, I think, 10 years old. And I've seen some pretty awful players in my time. I've seen Robbie Savage, I've seen Claude Davis... I've seen Roy Carroll in goal. I've seen I've seen him concede six goals to Aston Villa, but never have I seen a more com- overcomplicated, mindless player as Joel Sanu. I've I swear to you, I've have seen Joel Sanu run a ball out of touch more times than I've seen goals in the Premiership on Match of the Day. He's unbelievable, and I can't understand how he's getting in that Angers team. I honestly think, especially considering how uh, how how well Toko Akambe played, I, I think Angers will quickly realise what a good winger looks like, and I think Joel Sanu will end up uh, playing at left-back. Uh, that's left-back in the changing room. <laughs> Nathan, I'll come on to you. So we saw for Nice last, last week a, a new new look from, uh, from Lucien Favre. Uh, 4-1-4-1, uh, trying to get the best out of uh, a central midfield that's, again, lacking, had pretty much had it, most of its spine ripped off and perhaps is a bit lack, ripped out, I should say, and is lacking a little bit in terms of creative play with the likes of Hassan Ben Arfa going, Villager-Man with the goals, Napoli's Mendy in terms of defense. How effective, again, playing very young players, this needs, this needs a heavy degree of caveats applied to it, but how how effective do you think that was, and do you think that against a, a sure to be resolute Angers side, uh, he should 
he should adapt. Ricardo Pereira looks set to come back, but again, it's still going to be essentially the same group of players as last week. Yeah, that'll be a really boost from from one area at least. But the, it was it was a little bit of a surprise and a little bit heartwarming, but also a little bit insane from from Favre at the weekend that he played. A number of younger players we didn't even have on our radars, like Malang Sar, who scored the winning goal from from the uh, from the free kick, and, and the they played the young right uh, right winger as well. I've not got his name in front of me, but he was only just 18 as well, um, and he's not even in their squad on Liga's website. So that show that's in front of players like Wilan Cyprian, who they've brought in over the summer as well. Um, and they started Lusamba straight away. They've got a midfield th- uh, trio of Remy Walter, Vincent Cosiello, and the old man in that team, Jean-Michel Seri. Um, it was strange. It was very strange. They couldn't really get a proper foothold in the game, it felt like. I thought um, I thought Wren caused them too many problems at the back, especially in the second half, um, although they did win, and it was a relatively lucky win in the end. I thought uh, Suke looks like he was m- maybe rushed into it a little bit, but he'll, he'll be okay now that Pereira's coming back. He'll probably be starting over him. Um, Dalbert Enrique was very good going forward, but pot- potentially a viability going back. But thank God to Paul Bice, who had a really, really strong game, and and Johan uh, Cardinal, who's really grown in that role as their as their main goalkeeper. I think in, in this game, if if they they just need a little bit extra, this will be a, this will definitely be a better test, I think, than Ren. Ren struggled to have someone in the box to really finish off any chances that they had. Um, and also at the same time, Nice failed to create anything of note to someone like Alison Player, who went off with an injury, and I don't know if he'll be he'll be fit for this game. But um, they need to try and find a way to make this four through three. If they plan to use that again, or the four one four one that it almost looked at like times, get the best out of Vincent Cosiello and Jean Michel Seri because. Although some 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 quarter said Remy Walter had a good game, but I, he gave the possession away in, in such dangerous areas that against anyone who who has a good striker, they will be extremely punished. It was it was really really bad. It, it was two or three times he lost it right in front of his centre backs, and they can't afford to do that with such a young team because uh, if this team starts losing goals, if they they play, continue playing such young players, they're gonna crumble under that kind of thing and. He needs to be a little bit careful, Favre, with that. But it was interesting. There's a there's a groundwork of of things he definitely needs to improve on. But if Andre aren't pro- producing the threat that they we thought that they might do or or that um that they can do, then it might give them the time to settle and and find their rhythm this game if they can. All right. We'll come on to score predictions then. Nathan, I'll come to you first. This is a, this is a really difficult one. I think. I think this is probably the hardest one we've got this evening. Um, I'm going to go for a. I'm going to go for a goalless draw. Um, I think I was disappointed in Angers, and they need to show me more. And I don't think with the players that he sent out, I don't. I don't think he'll change much for this game. And uh, I can't see them punishing Nice as as much as they should be punished. And Nice aren't are still finding their rhythm. Um, and they need to get Vincent Cogliello involved more, but uh, I, I think it'll be a draw. All right. I was going to say that. I'll go 1-0 to Angers. Peter? I'm going to go for 1-1. I think if Angers are going to get off the mark, it's going to be against that Nice defence because th- th- that was really, really a trap. But at the same time, I think Nice have got enough quality going forward with Plie and, uh, and others to get a goal. So I'm going to go 1-1. All right. Come on now to Lorient versus Bastia. Both of these teams, pardon me, had lost last season, uh, or sorry, lost last week. It's somewhat extenuating circumstances. I mean, Bastia obviously are play, playing PSG. There's, there's hard, it's hard to expect another result than that. Lorient had started the match pretty brightly, but had had a man sent off in Zargo Torre and ended up losing to Caen 3-2 at the end. Uh, but, uh, uh, Peter, come on to you. Bastia... Looked really resolute against PSG. The loan signs look impressive. Uh, Jerson Cabral could start. He was a he's been a really dynamic player at times for for Tvente in the Dutch league. Um, is this a team that that could that could give Lorient um, some more problems? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I've got to be honest. I don't know massive amount about Bastia, but I thought 
they uh, they put in a spirited performance last weekend. Um, I think they've they've got some decent players in there as well. Uh, they've obviously got Lenny Nangis on loan from Lille, who um, I think is, is is potentially in line for big things. Um, Alassane Maxime, Maxime, is it? God, how do you pronounce it? Maxime, Maximin. Oh, there we go. Third time lucky. On loan from uh, from Monaco, obviously. Uh, I think he looks a good player. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm honestly not too sure. I, I think Bastia are one of those clubs who, as long as they're, um, as long as they're committed going forward and uh, challenging teams and trying to match them um, play for play, then then they'll be overachieving. Um, I have to be honest. I I remember the the times when I used to watch. Bastia Moore was was back when Budaboos was was still playing for them, and I really feel they've kind of been drifting ever since he went. All right, Adam, come on, do you? How do you how do you see Bastia's season shaping up? They've made a lot of really interesting loan signings, and particularly against Lorient, they've got a, a chance to lay down a real marker. And do you see them having a successful match this Saturday and a successful season? Um, I, I think that um, they, they will. Um, I think for Bastia, staying in, in, in Ligue 1 is, is, is good. I mean, at the, at the beginning of the season, I think if they're, if they're low mid-table by the end of the year, I think that's a relative, that's kind of par, that's kind of a relative success for them. Bearing in mind that their home, the home form is so good and their stadium is such a, such a fortress, they get most of their points there away from home, they're generally pretty awful. Um, and they seem to have followed that kind of that path for the last three or four, three or four seasons. This game against Lorient is an interesting one. As I mentioned on the uh, the, the, the preview show we did uh, for League on the main show on Monday, that um, Lorient have lost their artificial pitch. Well, they've lost it. They've changed it to a, a grass surface, and that's kind of been one of their positives for their home home performances. So that players, uh, managers will rest players because they don't like playing on that. The worry about injuries playing on that surface. So that's been the kind of a, a little sort of bonus for them when they play at home. Um, and given that they've lost a few players over the course of the winter, without really uh, over the summer, sorry, like Juve not really replacing him. Um, I, I think this could be a relatively close game, despite Bastia's sort of terrible away form over the last few years. But I still fancy Lorient to, to, to nick it at home. Um, I think they've probably got um, Lukanjo, who seems to be uh, hitting the ground running as he did last year. Um, I think he, he, he's another. He could, he could hit that purple patch like he did at the beginning of last season, which probably kept Lorient up, and it might do the same again this year if they get the same amount of goals out of him. And I, I'd fancy him, maybe him to get the goal and, and nick it one 0 but. Bastia did look a, look a decent proposition against PSG. They played well. They really gave them the game. Alan San, I can't, I'm just struggling to say his name as well. Alan Saint-Maximin uh, was good, as well as uh, Enzo Crivelli. Kamazak's always a combative presence in midfield. Um, but it'll be close, but I still fancy Lorient, given given their home record and Bastia's terrible away record. Nathan, come on, you just finished discussion of this. Obviously, Zargo Torre is going to be a big miss. Uh, Belugu is likely to come in. Uh, uh, Lorient wants to play this open 4-4-2 formation, but are they just lacking the quality to have success against a team that is so defensively sound as Bastia, especially playing away from home? It's it's difficult to say, isn't it? Um, they I was really impressed, actually, by the the start they made against uh, Cole until disaster struck and they, was, uh, they had um, Sango Torre sent off because... The, the connection between Mukanjo and Waris looks very positive again. I mean, we mentioned on, on the preview that Mukanjo struggled to score other than penalties, and especially in the second half of the season. So he'll be massively boosted with the two goals he got. And one was laid on the plate, really, for him by, by his strike partner. And it was a it was a really nice assist as well. Um, I think they might be all right this season. Um, I, I, I've, I'm, I, like you say, the, the worry might be creatively, but I think they've got... Decent players in, that, in the middle of the park. I think Didier Ndong's a very underrated player in Liga. Um, Philip Poto has his moments as well to, uh, of creativity. And I think um, with those two strikers, and that, and that's an important thing in Liga. And if you've got two people who can score goals in this league, it will, it will take you half the way there. Um, and I think having those two sniffing up even half chances sometimes, it gives you that massive boost. And to have Mukanjo already scored two, even though one was a penalty, it's it's going to breed that confidence in them. But I'm, I'm really interested in this game. I, I agree with the, the comments earlier. Bastia looked really good. St. Maximan was excellent. Um, I think they should try and start TV Bufuma if they can on this game um, because, oh, 
I, I don't know who else watched that game, but uh, Sado Diallo tried to strike the ball from about 30 yards out about five different times, and I think he hit all four corners of the of the arena by the end of it. But it was you can't start him in the next game. But uh, it's a really intriguing match, and uh, I, I, Lorient need to get the most out of their strikers, and if they can and give them even half chances, that might just be enough. I wholeheartedly agree with those comments about Diallo. Uh, so we'll, we'll get score predictions now. Adam, we'll come to you first. I think just 1-0, Lorion. Uh, though it'll be close and it'll be tight. There won't be many goals, but 1-0, uh, Lorion, I think. Maybe McAndrew from the penalty spot. All right. I'm going to go with 2-2. Uh, I think that uh, the introduction of Cabral to the teams and bring a lot in... Perhaps Puma as well is going to give a lot more dynamism to Bastian. I think that that, ba- that Lorient are also always good for goals. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to go two-one Lorient. I think I think that Bastia look like they're going to be interesting this season, and I think they'll get it together in a couple of games. But I think they still need a couple of games to fully gel and get Crivelli more involved because in the second half he was so isolated against PSG, and I worry about that again in the second half as they start to tire. Um, so 2-1 Lorient. Peter? 1-0 Lorient. McCandrew. Oh, Adam's already picked that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Adam. Uh, okay. My, my apologies. <laughs> uh, bugger it. I'll go 5-0 five, five Lorient then. 5-0. <laughs> All right. Remember we Shoot get points for predicting the, exact, yeah. for predicting the exact score. So, you know, Peter can st- steal a march on us here. All right. So our final match yeah, of believe, the show. Believe, guys. Believe. <laughs> final match of the show is PSG versus Mets. Um, so, uh, Nathan, I'll come on to you. So, Mets really showed quite a bit of opportunism against Lille. Uh, they, they got a lot of good dynamism from Kohad playing in, in central midfield. Uh, Jouf and Open Naget played, I think, fantastically well on the wings. Uh, is there a real potential that they could, you know, potentially trouble a PSG team who might not be taking them seriously? No. Um, <laughs> there's there's way too much quality in this PSG side to to do that, and and the, I'm sure Emery will get them focused on this game. But I w- adding to what you said, they they were impressive at the weekend, and they grew into that game against Lille, especially in the second half. Like your man Rene Coad was added a real experience to the middle of the park. I thought Jan Jufra and and Opan Get were excellent on the wings, but I thought um, they also did excellently to to rejuvenate. That moment as well. I thought I thought uh, Philippe Hinch, uh, Hinchberger did very a very good job in his in his substitutes. I thought Habib Diallo added an extra bit and he won a penalty. I thought Ismaili Saar added a bit as well when he came on. He gained himself a penalty as well. So um, they've they've shown that they've got a little bit about them going forward. And and you're right. If if PSG are completely out of the woods and and not thinking and and some of them looked a little bit brain dead against Bastia. They could be caught short by this kind of team with a player like Mervla Erding who can score goals in Liga and it was good to see him get off the mark because that will be a real positive for him in the season but um, this is probably a game Mets are expecting nothing from um, and you either go one of two ways in Liga and then you either try and shut up stop and try and get that draw or you just go hell for leather and uh, try and get the goals. I, I think evidenced by their game against Lille where they were a little bit timid in that first half and they were punished quite quite easily. Um, I would go hell for leather with the with <laughs> with the style they've they've shown in that first game and, and go for it. Um, there's no harm in that. The, the results against PSG aren't going to define their season. They know that. Um, so I think they should try and make it exciting as they can. Can they punish PSG? I'm not 100% certain because I, d- I don't think the quality is quite there to really, really hurt PSG if, if they play to a standard where they where they know they can. But um, they'll cause teams some problems this season, but uh, I can't see it in this game. All right. Adam, we'll come on to you. So we have a little bit of a selection dilemma, uh, depending if Edison Cavani can pass fit or not. Uh in terms of who will operate as the quote-unquote striker in that 4-2-3-1, uh, who do you think, uh, given Ben Arfa's iffy performance last week, uh, Emery should opt for in terms of that position? Have we lost Adam again? I think we might have lost Adam. Okay, Peter, I'll, I'll throw that to you. Uh, do you feel that 
do you feel that Emery should opt for Ben Arfa or uh, Cavani as the central striker? I think he should do the absolute bare minimum of what a manager is expected to do and just play footballers in their proper position. Um, I think Ben Arfa needs to go and sit in that number 10 role. I think Cavani should sit up front. Um, I don't think it needs to be too much more complicated than that. I think it worked for Laurent Blanc in uh, in, t- in terms of just playing people in their most natural position. I know he didn't do that with Cavani all the time, but he certainly did with others. And I think he should just play to his strengths. In, in terms of what I think is actually going to happen in this game, I've just got to say that Mets conceded two goals against Lille, and Lille are the worst side in Liga at the moment. So if they can concede two goals against Le Deux, then my word, they could be in for a, a difficult game. In fact, I'm so I'm so stunned as to how to describe what I think is going to happen to Mets. I've decided to type in bloodbath into thesaurus.com. So here's some here's some other ways: massacre, carnage, slaughter, purge. It's going to be it's going to be a bloodbath. I like Purge. <laughs> All right. So I guess my last point on this would be I'd like to see, personally, just a, a chance for uh, Thomas Mounier in this match. Just, just on the side, I think he looked really, really fine in the preseason matches here in the United States and uh, is deserving of a chance against a team like Mets uh, with Monaco next weekend. Uh, and Aurier likely to start that. This should be a good chance to give the, the Belgian right back a run out and show what he can do. He really did look exceptional here in the States. So uh, score predictions. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with five nil myself. Nathan. <laughs> I'm gonna go with three uh, nil. I think PSG would just just canter this one at the end. They'll score early and they'll just do the classic roll on three nil. Peter. Four nil for me. All right. I'll get Adam score predictions from him via message but that is all for this week thanks for joining us Uh, for more information you can follow us on twitter at gffn and visit our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com for peter bowler adam white and nathan staples i've been eric devin thank you and have a great rest of your day please be sure to follow us on match zone for coverage of the weekend's matches and to also tune in on monday Uh, from 8 p.m. British time for our Get French Football News show hosted by Nathan. Thank you and have a pleasant rest of your weekend.